All right. If you're taking notes, title your notes, David's Rules. David's Rules. And uh, I'm going to talk about how every single day, every day, including today, including yesterday, including tomorrow, and every day thereafter, Satan is looking to destroy your life, my life, our families, uh, separate our families. He's, He's looking to do that. Stress us out, overwhelm us. But if we fight back using David's rules, I just want you to know that uh, the enemy that's coming against you, coming against me, will crumble every single time. The enemy does not stand a chance so long as we follow David's rules. Now, typically speaking, uh, I only share, I'll, I'll open up the message with maybe one or two, three or four verses. I'm going to read a big chunk of them today um, because this is such a great story and, and probably most of you have heard the story before, but you haven't heard it in a long time. So we're just going to kind of go through it. We're going to talk about David and Goliath this morning, okay? Um, and, and Goliath, and at this stage, at this point where we're going to pick up reading, he is standing in this in this valley. Now, uh, for those of you who don't know, Goliath is just like two inches shorter than a basketball hoop. He's, he's sitting, he's standing in this valley. I, I, I read one theologian's comments in the commentary that he was nine foot eight. Um, and he's standing there with 100 pounds. Some of you don't even weigh 100 pounds. But 100 pounds of armor. And he's standing there in the middle of the valley. And, and behind him, up on this mountain ridge, is, are all the Philistines. Those are his, his that's his army. And uh, on the other side is, is God's army, God's people, the Israelites. And the, the, Goliath is calling out. He's saying, send somebody down to fight me. And, and whoever wins this battle gets it all. Gets everything. So both armies don't need to fight. Only two people need to fight. And whoever wins gets it all. So they were all petrified. They were scared because nobody wanted to fight Goliath. And so let's pick up reading there. Now, the words which David spoke um, were heard. They reported them to Saul. Saul was the king. And he sent sent for him. And then David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Everybody needs to stop being scared. I'm going to go fight him and and I'm going to kill him. And Saul said to David, You are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. He's been fighting since he was your age. But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear and, and, and took a, uh, I'm sorry, and when a lion, a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went out after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both a lion and a bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing as he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. You know what he's saying here? Just to take a a quick pause, a, a sidebar. You know what he's saying? He's saying, look, Saul, you don't know me. 
You, 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 don't, you don't know what I've been through. You don't know what you don't know that that Satan tried to kill me when I was just younger than I am now. You don't know my story. You don't know what God has brought me through. You you don't know anything about me. And and I just want to just say that I know we're in church this morning and we got our Sunday smile on. But you know what the truth of the matter is, is that I don't know what you've been through any more than you know what I've been through. But some of us have been through some serious stuff. Some of us have been through some serious wars. We've been dragged through hell sideways. We know our way around. We've been through it. Some of us have been through stories that we don't talk about to this day. Some of us almost died. Some of us, when the divorce took place, it almost killed us. Some of us have been through financial stresses and battles that to this day, we don't know how we got out of them. I was talking to somebody last Sunday and he said, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I'm going through a tough season. I don't know what it was that just came over me. I said, I will pray for you and you will get out of this. I said, but don't forget, you've been through worse. You've been through worse and you have come out and you're doing better now than you were then. You, you have fought worse seasons than this one. Now, those of you that are in a battle right now, raise your hand if you've been through worse. Come on, we've been through worse. We've been, we've been, and that's what David is saying. He's saying, look, Saul, you don't know what I've been through. And compared to this cake... Well, let me keep on reading. And Saul said to David, okay, 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 go and let the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor. He put a bronze helmet on his head and he also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these for I have not tested them. So David took them off. What he's saying is, I don't know how you fight your battles, Saul. I don't know how you've gotten through your tough seasons. But I'm just telling you, that's not how I get through mine. The way I've gotten through my seasons is completely different. And I've got to get through my season, this season, the same way I've gotten through the rest of them. And it's by depending on God. That's how I've gotten through them. Can someone say amen to that? Uh, anyone like those, those Louis L'Amour books? Um, or, or Clint Eastwood movies. Uh, I'm a cowboy, fa- a cowboy, not a, a Dallas cowboy fan. <laughs> I like cowboys, okay? I like cowboys. And uh, I got to be careful. I had somebody come up to me last week and said, stop talking about the cowboys. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Um, but, but, you know, when, when I read about those cowboy quotes, you know what they always say? They always say, uh, not always say, the one that I read said this, you never take a new gun to war. Never take a new gun. Uh, I, I've got some uh, friends of mine that like to go hunt bear up in Michigan. And, and when they go, they, I mean, they, they ride horses down into these forests to, to hunt bear. You know what they always say? They say, you always bring a gun that you've used before. You, you don't bring the one that you just bought at Academy that's all shiny. You, you don't use that one. You don't go stand in front of a bear with a gun that you're hoping is going to work good. You, 
you, you use a gun that you've used before, right? You, you ride a horse that, that you've ridden before. You don't ride, you know, your brand new painted horse that you just bought off Craigslist. You don't bring that. You don't bring that horse down by the bear, right? Uh, and so he's saying, look, I don't know how you fight. I got to fight the way I feel comfortable fighting. And then he took his staff. Everybody say his staff. You sound good this morning. His staff in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in a shepherd's bag, in a pouch which he had, and a sling, which was a slingshot, was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David. And the man who bore the shield went before him. So Goliath had this guy carrying a shield. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? Everybody say sticks. You sound good. And the Philistine cursed David by his God. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me. Come here. Come to me. Come to me, David. And I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. And David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword, with a spear, with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of armies of Israel, who have you, you have defined. Now watch this. Now he starts talking trash, right? He starts talking trash just like a teenager would, right? He says this, today's the day, this day. The Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the field of the earth. You hear what he's saying here? I'm about to take your head off of your shoulders, feed it like bird feet. He's just talking trash now. He used the first Texan. <laughs> just talking trash. He's just talking trash. He's, I, oh, you want to pee? I got you. You. Oh. He's going nuts now. Verse 47. Then all the assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with a sword and a spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran towards the enemy to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. When you and I... Make it a habit to get on our face before God. Our enemies fall on his face. I just want you to know that. I don't know what enemy you're fighting this morning. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a financial enemy. Maybe it's depression. Maybe it's worry. I don't know what it is. Self-esteem. When you and I, and we all have enemies, when you and I learn how to get on our face before God, our enemies fall on its face. I'm just telling you that. Here's the thing. The Bible says this. That so long as we're on this earth, we're going to have trouble. We're going to have enemies. But when you ever reach the point where you say, okay, there's always going to be enemies, and that, uh, that's understood. But this enemy, I'm done with him. You're going to have to send a different enemy because I'm tired of this enemy. Has anyone here ever wanted new problems? 
right? I, I just need a new problem. I'm, I'm tired of this problem. When we learn to get on our face before God, our enemy falls on its face. And so here's the thing. Uh, verse 50. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore, David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out of its sheath and killed him, cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. In those days, in those ancient days, the armies were built like branches, like military branches. Today, for example, we've got the army. We have the Navy. Navy. We've got the Marines. We've got branches of military. In those days, they had branches of military as well. They had three specific branches. One branch was the cavalry. These guys rode horses. They rode chariots. They were a whipping and a riding. They, were, they rode horses. That's the cavalry. Now, then there was the infantry. These guys did not ride horses. These guys had swords. They had daggers. They had a shield, and they fought hand-to-hand combat. And then there was a third category. These guys were the artillery guys. They didn't ride horses. They didn't fight up close. They, they fought with archery. They fought with bows and arrows. They fought with slingshots. Now, David, he was a slinger, okay? He, he, he fought with a slingshot. This is the guy... Uh, that would would run around in the back fields practicing his sling. Now, if you were a slinger, uh, you could do phenomenal things with your slingshot. Now, they made them different. Uh, in our day, a slingshot is kind of made with a, a wishbone of a, a board or of a stick. You ever crawl up a tree and chop it on a stick and make a slingshot out of it when you were a kid? That's not how they did it. Uh, they had a piece of leather... Uh, with two pieces of rope on each end. Now these guys, they could take this thing, if you study it, you won't be able to stop studying it. It's riveting what they could do. They could, if you, and it's even mentioned in the Bible, that these guys could literally hit a bamboo stick. The Bible says a reed, but the same thing. They could hit a bamboo stick, pow, with a rock. If you pull up ancient paintings... What you can find is you can find paintings of these guys hitting birds out of the air with their slingshot. In fact, one uh, commentary I read from a theologian that they could hit a coin on the ground as far away as they could see it. So if they can see it, they can hit it. They could, and there's another stat I read, that they could hit, either kill or badly wound Anything that was 200 yards away. 200 yards. That's two football fields. These guys would practice. This was how they fought. They would just come in and practice over and over and over and over again. Now, Goliath, he was not a slinger. He was infantry. He fought man-to-man up close. Now, here's the thing. The thing about the cavalry, the infantry, and the artillery is kind of like paper, rock, scissors. One could trump the other, but in a unique way. Let's illustrate. Let's play paper, rock, scissors. You ready? 
You ready? Let's play. Let's see who wins. Are you ready? One, two, three. I'm hearing clapping and the game was over, okay? All right, so this is what we're going to do. Everybody watch me. One, two, three, okay? So on three, you put down your paper, rock, scissors. Everybody's got to participate, all right? You guys ready? Everybody say ready. All right, here we go. One, two, three. You can't put up a bomb. (laughs) This guy's putting up a bomb. It's paper, rock, scissors. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Guys, you guys ready? All right, everybody? All right, here we go. One, two, three. All right, I got paper. Raise your hand if you beat me. Oh, man. More than half of the room just beat me. So the, the infantry in the cavalry and the artillery were paper, rock, scissors. One could beat the other, but some could beat the other. Let me explain it this way. The cavalry could beat the infantry. Because here they are standing with their sword and their spear and their, and their shield... But if you're a part of the cavalry, you just get in your chariot. Yeah. You could beat them. But if you're an artillery guy, let's say you have the bow and arrow. You're standing there with your sword. Done. If you're a, 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 a slinger, you can move around. And if you're standing there with a sword. Mic drop, baby. <laughs> you could kill somebody. I need my slingshot back, though. <laughs> the, the, the first row is the, is the most dangerous place to sit, you see. You never, you can get just knocked out up there. But it, that's, that's the, the slingers. That's the slingers. They could do anything. Now, here's the thing. Here's Saul, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Goliath is saying, I want to fight. So Israel is scared. Because what they're thinking in their mind is they've got to take somebody in the infantry to go fight somebody in the infantry. When King Saul's looking at David, he's going, man, you got to go fight this infantry guy. Well, if you got to go fight an infantry guy, here, here's your sword and here's your, your breastplate. Now, David's saying, I'm not going to fight infantry versus infantry. I'm, I'm out of the box. I'm not going to fight you the way you want me to fight you. I'm going to fight you the way I want to fight you. I'm not an infantry guy. I'm not a cavalry. I'm an artillery guy. And you're not going to make me fight you the way you want me to fight you. I'm going to fight you the way I want to fight you. And this is how I was raised right here. So when he came down that mountain, (laughs) when he came down the mountain, he was excited about it. Because he's shooting a duck in a pond. He's shooting fish in a barrel. I don't know what you want to use. He's coming down excited. I got this one from Academy. But he's coming down excited. He's pumped up. He is excited. Now, here's the thing. When Goliath is standing in the valley... All of the warriors, all the Philistines, when they saw David coming down the mountain with a sling, they got nervous. Because a guy in an infantry is standing there. Here's a quote. Do you guys have that quote about the the pistol? 
Go ahead and, and throw that on there. This guy, it, it, was, it was quoted by saying, here, I'll read it to you just in case they, don't, they can't find it. it. It's, oh yeah, Goliath had as much of a chance against David as any Bronze Age warrior with a sword would have against an opponent armed with a 45 automatic pistol. Now that's from a historian. So Goliath was in deep trouble. So here comes David. He comes running down the mountain. But he's fighting the way he was raised to fight. And he knocks him down and kills him. Now, what's very perplexing about this whole story is Goliath. Because Goliath is saying things that are puzzling. He's saying, why are you coming to me with sticks? David didn't have any sticks. He had a stick. Not sticks. A stick. And he also says this. Come to me so I can fight you. Well, hold on a minute here. Why don't you go get David? He's just a kid. Here's another question. Why isn't Goliath carrying his own shield? You're nine foot ten. Carry your own shield. Now, here's, these are theologians that I've just been studying all week. I kept on turning the page. Couldn't believe what I was reading. Here's what, they've, what historians and doctors alike, they've come together to, to study Goliath. And they said this. They said, look, in order for this guy to have trouble with disor- being disorientated like he was, it might have been that he suffered from a disease called acromegaly, that's how you say it, acromegaly, which is a, a, a cancer in the pituitary gland that causes you to either lose your vision or have double vision. He was growing so quickly that it's very likely that he had this type of cancer. Of course, they didn't know it at that time. And so you have this guy that is disorientated and so he's saying come over here come over here you who who's walking around with those sticks come on over here he doesn't want to go get him he doesn't even carry his own shield he's disorientated now whether that whether that historian is spot on which it definitely makes sense or maybe he's not either way the guy is a sitting duck to a guy who's fighting with this style right here. Why am I preaching this message? Because you and I, when we wake up tomorrow morning, when we're not in here singing, I am a friend of God, when we're not in here worshiping, and we got to wake up tomorrow morning and we're facing certain issues and certain problems, the enemy wants you so bad to try to work it out up here. He wants you so bad To fight him the way he wants you to fight him. But if you and I fight with David's rules, if you and I come back and say, hold on a second, I'm not fighting you the way you want me to fight you. Because when I fight that way, I get stressed out. When I fight that way, I lose sleep. When I fight that way, I get depressed and I get down and I get discouraged. When I fight that way and try to try to figure things out, it gets overwhelming to me and I'm not good company and people don't like being around me. For that matter, I don't even like being around me. 
You can be honest. The person sitting next to you is going like this. So you can be honest. We can't fight that way. The way we fight is the same way that God has raised us to fight. We lean on God. We pray. We worship. 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 This is all we know how to do to win. And when we stop doing this, oh man, all of a sudden it gets so stressful. All of a sudden it gets so overwhelming. All of a sudden it's just like, oh my goodness. Sarah preached a message a couple months ago while I was out. That was pretty awesome. Um, what was that statue uh, across the street from uh, the Atlas statue? If you've ever been to New York City, raise your hand if you've been to New York City. So there's this Atlas statue. And um, it, even if you don't realize uh, what the Atlas statue is, after I describe it, it'll ring a bell. Um, Atlas, uh, there's a big statue in New York City where there's this huge, strong guy. He's carrying the world on his back. You, you know that, that, that statue? He's carrying it like this, and he's straining. He's carrying the whole world. If you ever see that statue, take five minutes to walk across the street. Go into St. Patrick's Cathedral. It's one of the most beautiful churches you'll ever see. And there's a statue of Jesus. He's got his hand out like this, and he's holding the whole world in his hand. So you and I can be like Atlas and we can strain and try to figure this out because we're smart enough and we're good enough and doggone it people like me. And we can do that. Or we can back up and say, that's not how I fight. That's not how my dad raised me. That's not how my mom raised me. That's not what I'm feeling in my soul. This is how I fight. This is how I fight. This is how I fight right here. It may not make sense to you, Saul. It may not make sense to you. It may not make sense to you, but you're the one stressed out hiding behind a rock. I'm feeling good. Somebody say amen to that. I got three quick points that I want to share with you. David had a fear of God about him. And because of that fear of God, he was able to understand and have confidence with God. The Bible says this, that that the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. So if you don't understand the fear of God, then you can't understand anything else. Are you with me? If you get the fear of God, then you can begin to understand everything else. Let me see if I can unpack the fear of God because David had a fear of God and then that gave him confidence to move. See, a lot of times when we don't pray, when we don't think about the Lord, when we don't worship the Lord, it's because our confidence in him is not there. I've used this term a few times over the last few weeks. It's called a a Christian atheist. You believe in God, but you just don't believe that if you pray, it's going to do a whole lot. So you don't. If you were sure that God was going to do something, then you would pray. And so all of that is hinged to having a fear of God. Because if you have a fear of God, it leads to faith in God. And if you have faith in God, it leads to God moving and being active in your life. And so you got to reverse engineer it. If there's no faith, there may not be any fear. 
So let's unpack what fear is. There's three things about fear I'd like to share with you that I hope all of us have or begin to cultivate. Number one is a fear of God. What do I mean by that? The fear of being with God. What does that mean? There is a very casual attitude about the presence of God in America today. The casual attitude sounds something like this. Maybe you've heard it. Well, I was talking to the man upstairs the other day. Anyone ever hear someone say that? You know what I feel like saying whenever I hear that? The man upstairs? Hold on a minute. The man upstairs. Are are you talking about God? Are you talking about the one that stepped out onto nothing? From nothing? And created everything? Are you talking about the one that took stars and threw them in the air like frisbees? Are you talking about God that made planets? Are you talking about God that pulls mountains out of the ground? The Bible says that the oceans are in the palm of his hand. Are you talking about God, the man upstairs, that everything that lives has a little piece of him inside of him? That, that life itself, the beating of the heart. That is a spark of God inside of that person. That's why God hates suicide. Why? Because he doesn't want that spark to go out. That's his spark that he put in there. He doesn't want that spark going out. He doesn't want that spark going out until he says it's time for it to go out. It's his spark. The man upstairs. Do you know that when Isaiah saw God for the first time? He said, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. I just saw God. The man upstairs? I think think Americans have this nonchalant attitude about God. He's the creator of the universe. Every time you, he gave you that breath. You don't ever have to wonder if God has given up on you. If you're ever down and discouraged and you feel like God has given up on you, you can find out if God has given up on you. All you have to do is just go like this. If you can do that, he hasn't given up on you because he put that inside of you. Man, I don't, God doesn't have a plan for me. Can you do this? If you can do that, God's plan is still cooking. It's still cooking. He's, we're talking about God here. After Jesus died on the cross, he went into the grave. Three days later, he comes out of the grave. He's walking around. One of the disciples named John sees him. And he goes, oh my goodness, I'm going to die. Why? Because he's awesome. His presence is awesome. It hovers over the water. The wind and the waves obey him. He is God. And I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to tell you this. When you see him for the first time, you're going to be afraid. You're going to be afraid. This attitude right here. No, 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 no. 
this casual uh, God, yeah, yeah, he's the man upstairs. No, 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 no. This is, this is, this is God. And what's wonderful is he says this, I know I'm mighty and I know I'm powerful, but I don't want you to be afraid of me. You're my daughter. You're my son. I look at you the way a husband looks at a wife. I love you. Now, what's the difference between having a fear of God that's wonderful and being afraid of God? Well, see, being afraid of God is whenever you're running from him, you're hiding from him. Kind of like Adam and Eve. See, every single night, God would come looking for them and they would spend time together. They had a fear of God. And then all of a sudden, they decided to have some apple pie. (laughs) Bad idea. Here comes Jesus walking through, the, the, the Lord comes walking through the garden. And all of a sudden, what do they do? They begin to run and hide. What's the difference? Well, before they had a fear of God. They were in awe of God. They were, wow. And now they're afraid. Now they're hiding. Here's the thing. When you have a fear of God, you're seeking him. When you're afraid of God, you're running from him. When you're not seeking him, you're lacking a fear. David, if David could stand here today, if he could stand here today, he would say to all of us, I have fought in battles very similar to all of yours. And I have fought in battles very different from all of yours. And the only way I ever came out of those battles is because I had a fear of God. I pursued God. Now, here's the thing. And then he would say this. And I've seen God. And he's unreal. He's amazing. So there's this fear of being with God. And then if you have a healthy fear, not only do you fear being with him, but point number two, you fear being away from him. So you don't want to be away from God. See, David, he had an affair with this woman. He had a baby with this woman. The husband was going to find out and he killed him. Now, what does he do? He goes and gets before God. And what does he say? Let me read it to you. It's just an unbelievable cry of his heart. Let me see if I can find it. He says this in Psalms 51 verse 11. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. It's like God I, some, of the, some of you maybe have prayed a prayer like this. I know what I did was wrong. I know I have not been living for you. I remember as, as a teenager, I used to crawl through my window at 2 o'clock in the morning and slide it down. And I'd be all sweaty from running the streets. And I would lay down and I would squeeze my pillow with my face in my pillow. And I would say, dear God... I know I'm not living for you, but please don't give up on me. Please don't take your spirit from me. Has anyone ever prayed a prayer like that? That is, that is a fear of God. You're, you're afraid to be away from him. Don't give up on me. But I need you. I need 
need you. See, some of us get caught up in prayers. We think we need to wax eloquent like Abraham or Moses. There's something about just crying out and saying the same thing over and over again. I need you. I don't leave me. I need you. I love you. No, he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. But it's a fear of being without him. And I just want to say, I want to sound the alarm. I want to sound the alarm when you are not uh, crying out and desiring him. What we have to do in those situations is say, I might be lacking a fear of God. Very last point. Point number one is to fear being with him. Point number two is to fear being away from him. And point number three is to fear disappointing him. The only way I can illustrate it is like this. My daughter Presley's in the fifth grade. Um, but when she was in the first grade, something happened uh, that kind of rocked my world. Um, my wife and I had communicated that morning that I was supposed to pick her up from school. Uh, I was in a meeting here at the church and it was four o'clock. I'm sitting in the meeting, completely engaged in the meeting. I look down, I see my cell phone ringing. I look at the cell phone, and it has the name of the school coming up on the caller ID. I knew exactly what just happened. I answer the phone, didn't say hello. I said, I'm sorry. I completely forgot. I am on my way. Person on the other line said, Don't worry about it. We're taking care of her. She's just fine. Just wanted to make sure you were aware. I am now flying down the road. <laughs> if there's any cops in here, just know I'm sorry. <laughs> I am flying down the road. Am I afraid of my daughter? No. But I'm picturing her, just this little girl, this big old backpack, sitting on the curb, and all of her friends are gone. I'm seeing her all by herself, wondering where I am. And I'm, I'm afraid, I'm fearful that I've let her down. She was counting on me. I let her down. I've disappointed her. I pull in. I break the car rule lines. You're not supposed to get out of your car. It's like a really big deal. They'll taser you if you get out of your car. <laughs> Park it. Get out. Run around. Presley, I am so sorry. Do you know that daddy loves you? Do you know that daddy loves you? I am so sorry. She goes, daddy, it's okay. They, they were taking care of me. It's okay. I knew you were going to come. I said, do you know I am so sorry? I, I'm so sorry. She goes, daddy, it's okay. What's in my voice? I don't want to disappoint my daughter. I don't want to let her down. She was counting on. I don't want to let her down. See, that's, that's a fear of God that maybe we don't always talk about. 
The Bible says this, that he knew you in your mother's womb. It doesn't say that he saw you in your mother's womb. He knew you in your mother's womb. You and God have met before. Hallelujah. You've met before. You just don't remember. You're too, too little. But you've met before. That's why when you come walking into the presence of God, it's like, ah, oh, that feels good. This is new. I've never experienced this, but that feels good. You know why? You have felt it before. He knew you in your mother's womb. He's got your plans set out. And when we begin to, to, to back up from his presence and deviate from his plan, we feel our spirit just kind of tighten up a little bit. And, and when I mean tighten up, I mean you start feeling stressful. You, you start feeling over... Uh, uh, I can't find the word. You, you, you feel um, stressed, overwhelmed, bogged down, heavy. And what's happening there? It, the Bible says that his burden is light. So why is it not light? Because we have backed, we've deviated. And the Lord is, I, I have your plan. I, I, I know the plan. And there has to be a part of us that says, Lord, I, I just don't want to disappoint you. I, I just don't want to disappoint you. Now, some of us may think, well, what's going to happen if we do something wrong? Is he going to just like, ah, no, 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 no. Have you ever got up in the middle of the night at like two o'clock in the morning to go get an Oreo? Come on. Come on, somebody to go get a cookie. Come on. Come on, come on, come on. Let me see your hand. You, you just feel God calling you. Go get the cookie. Get the cookie. Get the cookie. It's my will. Go get the... Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And, and it's like you're walking over there, and it's like, where, where's the cookie? Where's the... And you turn on the lights, right? Your eyes, you got this stuff in your eyes. You can't open your eyes. You get, and and you, you turn on the lights, and you look down, and you see a cockroach. Right? sitting right there. And the cockroach all of a sudden, what does he do? The cockroach is like, rah, 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 rah. and they were like, he knows he's caught. The lights just came on. What do you do? What? Oh, jeez. What are you doing here? The first thing you do is get mad. What are you doing here? Now, what do you do next? You're looking for something to kill it with, right? You can't step on it. You just got out of bed. So you're looking for stuff, right? Keeping your eye on it. Too little, too little. I'll miss, I'll miss. I only got one shot. But hold on. And you try to aim one thing. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Allie woke up like three weeks ago, and our, our cabinet was literally split in half. Because I opened up the cabinet to get some milk for my cookies, right? Open up the cabinet, there was a cockroach. So I took the cup and I went. Ah! You gotta yell at it, right? Right? You got ah! stupid cockroach. Just he got away, crawled back into his hole, just split the thing right down in half. It's like Allie comes up in the, mo in the next morning. She goes, what happened to my cabinet? I was like, he got away. <laughs> but when you turn it on, it's like, what are you doing here? And it's like, you see, and you kill it. And then you got to pick it up and it pops. Pop. 
You got to pick it up. You got to clean that up. You caught them. You turned the lights on. You caught them. You're like, ah. Do you think when you do something wrong that the Lord is like, ah, gotcha. No, 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 no. No. No, 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 no. That's not how he is at all. He looks at you and you love and there's got to be a part of us that looks back and just goes, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And that, that's the fear of God. Can we all stand to our feet from the place? Let me share this thought with you. We all need, we all need the power of God, don't we? Amen. I just want to say, if we seek the presence of God, the power of God will come. So many people want the presence of God. They manifest the presence of God. They make up the presence of God. Have you ever had somebody say, the Lord tell me, and you're like, wah, 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 wah. Yeah, the Lord didn't tell you squat. Have <laughs> you ever thought that? People want the presence of God so bad. If we just take our pulse and make sure that the fear of God is in the inside of us, the presence of God will come. I've never met anybody that pursues power and actually operates in it. I've seen people pursue presence and the power follows. I've seen people that have a fear of God and power follows. But I've never seen anybody pursue power and have it for real. Here's my question. I, I, I want to be a part of a church family, and I know you do too, that we have a, a fear of God. Yes. We're in awe of God. We're afraid to be away from God. This is what I see in my, in my mind and in my heart. I just, I just see this whole altar full of people in this church this morning with their hands out, reaching up to the Lord, saying, God, I need to fear you more than I ever have. I need to fear. I know that that's probably my biggest issue is that I don't fear you. Lord, help me, Father. Pour some healthy fear into my heart. 